Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and I have a new guest with me here today, and that is Mindy. Say hi, Mindy. Hey, everyone. All right. So, um, like Lisa said, my name is Mindy. I go by the Geeky Seamstress online. I am a cosplayer, and that is how uh, Lisa and I met uh, through, uh, like she said, our friend Courtney. And uh, how long has it been? Like, I want to say like four years or so, maybe? Are you serious? Dude, time flies. I feel like I just met you, but maybe that's because you're fun to be around. <laughs> well, well, thank you. <laughs> that's nice. Um, I, I tend to think I'm kind of like a potato, but you know. It, it, <laughs> um, so yeah, I go by the Geeky Seamstress online. Um, I've been cosplaying since 2012. And um, I do a lot of different types of cosplay. I like to specialize in um, corsetry and spandex. And I do a lot of magical girl and superhero costumes. So um, I like magical girls because they're superheroes, but with really extra pretty outfits. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. I'm also a member of a local cosplay group called Cosmic Coterie, um, which also involves our friend Courtney. Uh, we do a lot of magical girl um, type costumes. And I am also a member of a competitive duo cosplay team called Caffeine Schemes. Um, and we are working up, uh, that is me and my cosplay partner, Koholik Cosplay. And we, um, we are gearing up to compete at the World Cosplay Summit preliminaries for 2019. Uh, I also run a blog and I do costume commissions. And uh, I think that's enough rambling about me. But yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, you are like the perfect person to talk to about this movie. I think it's time to go ahead and introduce it. What movie are we talking about today? We are talking about Wonder Woman, which came out in 2017, uh, directed by Patty Jenkins and starring Gal Gadot. Yay! I'm so excited! I know. I can't think of anyone better to talk about this movie with. <laughs> oh, I'm so hyped. And we're both such Wonder Woman fans. It makes me so happy. Yes, yes. Okay, so guys, before we jump into our Wonder Woman discussion, I have a couple of quick plugs. Um, thank you so much, first of all, for, for listening to this show. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate. Um, if you leave us a positive review on iTunes, you are automatically entered to win a $20 gift card to a movie theater chain of your choice. Um, 
I will draw once we get to 30. We've already had one winner. I drew a name at 15, and I'll draw another name randomly at 30 entries. So leave one today. Uh, it's free money. It comes right out of my pocket. So yeah, everybody loves free money. Um, you can also find me on Twitter under AYA Lisa Cosplay. I'm also on Instagram under AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa. And in a closed Facebook group called I Love That Movie. The group's closed, but if you send me a request, I'll add you. It's just a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films judgment-free. I don't really have a lot of rules in there except keep it positive, be nice to each other, talk about how much you love movies. That's it. Um, last thing I want to put on you guys' radar is, uh, there is a film, local film festival coming up called Frame for Frame. It's in Arlington, Texas from September, from some, I was making up a new month, from September 20th to 23rd. Um, you can get passes on frameforframe.org. And so just want to put that on your radar. Um, and with that, I think we can start diving in. So, Let's rewind a little bit. Um, normally, I ask people how they first saw this movie. I think I have a pretty good idea that you saw it in theaters, just judging yeah, by absolutely. being a big fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess tell me a little bit about that. Like, how many times did you see it in theaters? And, you know, what was your first reaction, et cetera? Um, so, I did see it in the theaters opening weekend. Um, I actually only saw it in the theaters once, surprisingly enough. Oh. Um, it. I, I keep forgetting that it only came out a year ago. <laughs> I I saw 2017 and I was like, wait, what? Like, I feel like it's been part of the social consciousness for longer than that. But I, I, I do agree. <laughs> and I think that's partly because Wonder Woman is definitely part of the big three in terms of DC. So like, yeah. there's been so much discussion of getting a Wonder Woman movie to theaters for so long that it's just, I think it's just something that has, like you said, been in our collective uh, pop uh, pop, pop culture um, landscape for many, many years now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I saw it once um, in the theaters. Um, last summer was honestly really insane for me. So now that I like reflect on it, I'm like, oh, I didn't really do anything besides cosplay last summer. So okay, I can <laughs> understand that. Um, I saw it with my husband and uh, <laughs> uh, he, he did mock me a little bit because um, I get very emotional with movies. Me and, too. And, yeah. And, and Wonder Woman is just, Wonder Woman is one of those characters that I have cherished and looked up to since I was a very, very young child. So finally seeing her up on the big screen just brought out a lot of emotions in me. Um, I... I wept during that No Man's Land. So did I. Um, I. I cried a lot during that movie, but that was the me one too. that really got me. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yes. Um, I think I think I saw it, I want to say three times. Mm -hmm. um, but I was not cosplaying like crazy, so <laughs> I don't have... Yeah, I would just... I saw it three times. But, um, you know, I think the first time I saw it, like, like you said, I just wept openly several times. Like Nick was laughing at me. My husband. <laughs> he was like, our oh. husbands are mocking us. <laughs> I know. He just kept shooting me a look like, oh, Lord, here she goes again. Um, and I was definitely extremely moved. <laughs> Each time I saw it, it just seemed to get it didn't really decrease in intensity. It just it's like every time I see it, I'm just even more emotionally invested and in becoming like a crazy ultra fan. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> and so, so yeah, I mean, it was highly, highly anticipated. I don't have the history with the character that you do, though. So I'm kind of excited to talk to you a little bit about that. Like, I mean, for our listeners that that haven't met you and don't know you yet, like you have a Wonder Woman tattoo, right? Yes, yes, I do. I have Wonder Woman's insignia on the inside of my right ankle. <laughs> Yeah. And so like, okay, I mean, you don't you don't have to have like a deep, deep story or anything like that. But do you have kind of like a story of why you got it? You know what what it means to you and, and why you got it at the time that you did, etc. Um, yeah, sure. So like I said, um, Wonder Woman has been one of those superheroes that I looked up I've looked up to since I was um, a very young child. Uh, I don't remember exactly what pulled me into um, Wonder Woman. I, I don't really have a moment that I remember, but I do remember that when I was a kid, the two comic book heroes that I got into at a very young age were Rogue from X-Men and Wonder Woman. Uh, and Wonder Woman for me was just incredible because she was, she was a princess and a warrior. And to me, that was just the coolest thing. She was this really awesome combination of grace and compassion and beauty and strength. And that was just something that I always thought was absolutely incredible. Like she was this hero that you could look up to and see like, here's this person who's trying to bring goodness into the world. And that that was something that I just always found incredible. That's so awesome. You know, I didn't really grow up with her like as a character, I was aware of her, mm -hmm. but I don't think I like really understood her backstory and who she was. And I wish that I had, because I think I would have been a really big fan. I know you're also like me, a, a pretty big fan of like Sailor Moon. And it's weird. I didn't realize how much of a connection that is it really <laughs> until is. you really think about it. And the fact that same thing, you know, a princess, uh, but also a warrior, um, very, you know, feminine. Yeah. And and I think that's what drew me to Sailor Moon. That's that was my Wonder Woman, I think, when I was like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really liked that. You know, I think a lot of times uh, female heroes, especially in American pop culture, they tend to have to have very uh, masculine qualities, which not to say that that's bad. And, and some women do have more masculine qualities, and that's totally fine. I embrace that. Some of my favorite characters are like that. But it kind of stinks that it leaves some women out you know it's like you can't be both you can't have these really strong feminine qualities and be a hero and I felt like Sailor Moon showed that you could have both those things and so I kind of wish that I had gotten into Wonder Woman earlier because I mean she was totally up my alley I would have been a really big fan <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that's a really great point um I, I've been thinking about that a lot recently, especially since I watched the movie again yesterday, and I was thinking about some of my initial reactions to the film versus um, how they've evolved over time. Like, I remember sitting in the theater um, at the very end of the movie, and um, Gal Gadot says the line, and I believe in love. And I just remember rolling my eyes at that particular moment while I was sitting in the theater. <laughs> But then I thought about it afterwards and I was like, you know what? There is absolutely nothing wrong with being a strong superhero who has compassion, who believes in love, who believes in um, the goodness of mankind and believes in extending that love to the people that she's trying to help. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That I don't know because, like you said, there are definitely um, there are definitely female superheroes who do have more like coded masculine traits. Like um, one of my other favorite superheroes, Captain Marvel, she definitely reads more masculine in a lot of um, her her behavior. Um, but um, Wonder Woman for me was just like, and like you was you were saying with Sailor Moon, like it's this interesting combination of strength, but in a very um, very traditionally feminine setup. Yeah, it's kind of like, I want to see more than one type of female hero, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, I absolutely love the the Rip, you know, Ripley from Alien, and I love Sarah Connor from Terminator 2, but I feel like this is a side that we don't get to see a lot um, when it comes to female heroes, and, you know, Wonder Woman is one of those characters that represents, like, a different facet. Like you said, she's motivated more through love and compassion, and I like that, and I would like to see that actually with male characters, too. Um, to see more male heroes that that exude those kinds of qualities, because I think I resonate a little bit more with those. Um, and you know, I just think there should be someone to represent everybody. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Like um, there's there's no. I think for a long time we've kind of been fed this steady diet of what a superhero movie should be, and now that there's a little bit of superhero fatigue, we're finally seeing some other types of character development with that, which I think is really cool. <laughs> I totally agree. Well, with that, I think I'm going to jump into the synopsis real quick. It's just a real quick summary that I got off of uh, IMDb, where I usually get them. And so I'm going to read that really quick, and then we'll kind of dive into a couple quick facts. If you have facts, you can always jump in or um, add to them or give your own facts. So here we go. When a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world, Diana, an Amazonian warrior in training, leaves home to fight a war discovering her full powers and true destiny. Uh, so, so yeah, really, really quick <laughs> summary. Uh, here's my first quick fact. So I'll go ahead and run through a couple of the quick facts, like I said before. Um, Gal Gadot was part of reshoots for the movie, including stunts, while being five months pregnant. That's Have you that heard that? kills me. I just I can't, can't believe it. deal with that. <laughs> I know. They said she was visibly pregnant, so the crew had to create a costume that had a green screen around her belly, which was later <laughs> removed in post-production. Like, I don't know if there's anything more, like, badass than that. Like, she was pregnant and being Wonder Woman? Like, I don't know. That's that pretty awesome. Absolutely kills me i i my mind can't even completely wrap around that honestly (laughs) it's kind of like good timing in a weird way like i don't know it's kind of like we can do this no matter what eat that men you know right right it's like oh i'm sorry were you having issues well i was pregnant while being wonder (laughs) yeah so just a cool fact. Um, here's something else. And I, I will probably dive into this when we go in more in depth with the characters. But I just kind of want to throw it out there because I've heard people have some issues with uh, this particular character in his role in the movie. So here we go. Uh, General Eirik Ludendorff was a real person and he was ruthless, although not necessarily more so than any other high commander in uh, World War I. Uh, as a supreme commander of the German for- forces... He authorized the use of mustard gas, a corrosive agent that could quite literally melt tissue and that depending on the exposure would inflict temporary or permanent blindness, lasting damage to the lungs and an extremely painful death. With the armistice 
Ludendorff later supported Adolf Hitler's failed coup, but grew to dislike Hitler long before the Nazis actually took power. So I feel that because this movie takes place in World War One, I, I feel like in general, we're all a little fuzzier on the details because we see World War II so much more often. So I think there's things that Ludendorff does and his and the role that he plays in this movie that I think people like don't get. And I think to know that like he was a real person and that he used mustard gas and what mustard gas actually does. Like, I just feel like those quick facts kind of help fill in some gaps, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that's really fascinating. Um, I, I knew that he was a real person. And like you said, like World War Two has definitely been the uh, kind of I don't want to. It's weird to say it this way, but it's kind of been the favored war in terms mm-hmm. of like what people study and what people are really obsessed with. Uh, so yeah, that that's very interesting. Yeah. And then uh, let's see, I think the last one I had, and it'll kind of lead into the next topic I want to talk about, which is Patty Jenkins. Uh, so Patty Jenkins cites the work of Wonder Woman creator William Moulton Marston. Uh, the early stories where Wonder Woman saved Steve from the Germans and George Perez's Greek gods influencing the world as an influence on the film. Uh, this is the first female directed live action movie to have a $100 million budget. And the film's estimated budget was about $150 million. So she's like the first one to ever reach 100 and then she went an extra 50 So that's kind of cool. That is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so real quick question before we dive into Patty on the comics. Uh, I know you, you've read a lot of Wonder Woman comics, correct? Yes. Yes, I have. So this is, this is where you have a definite edge and I'm going to lean on you <laughs> on some of this because I've read some like Justice League comics, but not a lot. Um, do you see that influence? Like, could you kind of pick out in the movie right away? Like, oh, this is this story or this era. Like, what did you see when you saw it? Uh, yeah, I could definitely see um, the Perez influence. Um, whenever I was first getting into Wonder Woman, um, the Perez era comics were what I really uh, got into. I really loved um, how he kind of reformed, uh, reformed or kind of like rebooted. There we go. Um, the Wonder Woman mythos by going back to the Greek um, origin story. So that was really cool. Oh, actually, fun fact, I got to meet George Perez while dressed as Wonder Woman once, and it made my nerd heart just so, so happy. Amazing. <laughs> you <laughs> definitely got the cheek, and I, like, turned as red as my bodice, and it was just like, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, he was at Dragon Con this year. We took a really big uh, DC group picture, and he was in it. Oh, that's so, so yeah. cool! That's so he wasn't cool. feeling well like the last Aww. year or two, and so he's felt a lot better recently. So yeah, he, he's there. definitely had some health issues. I, it's yeah. really sad. I want him around forever. <laughs> well, you definitely need to send me some pictures. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll include those too. Um, okay, so let's talk about Patty Jenkins. Um, you know. You may remember her from she directed Monster. Have you seen that movie? You know, I have not. It is on my watch list because I also love Charlize Theron. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen it yet. No worries. That is the answer I hear the most. Um, all I'm going to say is it's rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really good movie, but it, it is so rough that one day I was watching it and Nick told me, he said, this is really good, but I'm not going to watch it with you. I can't see this again. He <laughs> was like, it's hard. I mean, it's really tough subject matter, but it's really good. 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah, she did that. I also found out when I was researching this that uh, she directed the pilot, like the first, the pilot and one other episode of one of my favorite shows, The Killing. I had no idea she did that. Oh, interesting. I haven't yeah, seen I, that show either, but that's that's really cool. Yeah, she she got nominated, I think, uh, for an award for that show, like an Emmy or something, but uh, just for the pilot. Um, it's it's one of my favorite shows. It's something that I, I've tried to push on so many people. <laughs> I really like it. Um, but getting back to uh, to this movie, uh, Patty Jenkins cited as her main influences, uh, film-wise, were Superman, Casablanca, and Indiana Jones. And I got so excited when I heard her say those three movies. I was like, I totally see that in this film. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Because now that you've said those, I'm like, Oh yeah, I can actually pinpoint some different moments where I was like, "Oh, yep, that that sounds about right." Yeah, I, I I'm like, I don't know. Well, of course, a lot of people are influenced by Casablanca, and you can definitely see quickly the influence for the original Superman movie. But hearing Casablanca and Indiana Jones, I mean, that's just heartwarming. I'm just like, "Yay, I love those movies." So, um, also, I I was watching kind of like a behind the scenes before we started recording. Uh, well, who am I kidding? I watched all the special features, but um, <laughs> but uh, I was interested to learn, like, how did she become a director um, and things like that? And apparently, originally, she went to school for painting. And then she kind of realized that her first love was music, but she didn't really want to play music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when Peter Gabriel wrote the score for Birdie, uh, she was really inspired by it. And she was like, I got to do something with this. Um and she was taking an experimental film course, and that's when she realized, when she finally put, like, pictures with music by, like, filming her friends and, and directing them and editing it together, that's when she realized, like, she wanted to be a director. And she was like, oh, I could make movies. And so that led to a career as a cameraman, uh, a camera person, sorry, for 10 years. Um, you know, she started unpaid work, and she did that for, like, 10 years before she eventually moved into like directing and stuff like that i just thought that story was interesting because and i've talked about this in another episode uh i'm i'm gonna drop a little bit of realness here and there on you guys Mm -hmm. um but you know one one thing that i feel like we have to talk about we already kind of mentioned she's the first female director to ever have an over 100 million dollar budget movie is we just don't have a lot of female directors in general and uh you know that's why i wanted to hear a story like how did she decide that because i did an episode a while back uh with shiley warren uh who's the assistant professor of aesthetics and film studies at the university of texas at dallas um uh it was during a women make movies event and if you guys get a chance go back and listen to that episode and we were just talking about women in film and the event was covering a bunch of films that were directed by women and really sort of explaining to all of us at the event uh, that women have always been involved with filmmaking i think it's like a perception of oh well there's not a lot of women directors because there just aren't any but the reality is it's visibility and the ability to get their projects funded is what's actually holding them back not that women don't want to do it (laughs) so i was interested to kind of learn how she got there because i think I've loved movies so much since I was a child and I went through periods where I wanted to be an actor, where I wanted to be a writer. I never even thought about being a director ever, never even fantasized about that. And I think that's because 
we don't see a lot of female directors, you know? And so because we don't, it's like, it doesn't even occur to me as that it could be a job. And and so I thought that was interesting that uh, Patty Jenkins said that she didn't ever think about, I'm going to be a director. It was, she kind of discovered it along the way and that's how she fell into it. So I just thought that was a cool story. That's a fascinating story. And what, what, man, this just always reminds me how much representation matters in all aspects, in all careers, uh, especially when people are like, oh, well, women or people of color are just aren't into these fields. And it's like, well, no, we're here. We're interested. We want to be a part of it. It's just those opportunities have never been available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look back at Patty Jenkins' history, too, she did Monster and then question mark, because the problem is even when women get a really big directorial, you know, job, uh, it doesn't lead to more jobs necessarily. I mean, I've done tons of episodes on this show and we've only talked about one other female director at all. Wow. You know, <laughs> and that was uh, the American Psycho episode, actually. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, that director, too, she hasn't really done a lot since then. And, th- and that's what tends to happen. Uh, there's a lot of women in uh, d- the documentary category, but they don't get treated the same way, like at the Oscars or in any other capacity. So it doesn't always lead to bigger projects. I mean, you know, that's just an unfortunate part of the industry and something that obviously they're trying to change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but enough sad read after that. <laughs> I know. I could oh my gosh, you have no idea. I could throw statistics at you like it's it's a rabbit hole but uh. honestly it reminds me of a a recent article that i saw on crazy rich asians where they were like well you know we were really hoping that in the 90s that um oh gosh what was that other the uh cho uh margaret cho's show no no um uh, uh, the joy luck club there we go oh i love that movie but but yeah like the hope was, you know, back in the 90s that the Joy Luck Club would usher in this new era of um, Asian Americans being represented on film. And then basically nothing happened for another 25 years until Crazy Rich Asians came out. Yeah, well, I think it's the the problem that it suffers from is kind of like what you mentioned earlier, like with Monster. Like, it's a great film, but unless you're like into independent films and films that are basically Oscar bait, uh, you don't end up seeing them. So the Joy Luck Club is another movie that's really good, but it's not like, you know, Indiana Jones. So like a lot of people haven't seen it. And I think that's part of why, you know, women will get these directorial jobs where, you know, they, it's a great film and it's the subject matter is good and the acting is good and everything about it is great but a lot of people don't see it. So, you know, it doesn't lead to more. And so I think, I think that's part of why even with the joy luck club, but yeah, well, um, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) he, he, um, so let's talk a little bit about Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. How do you pronounce her name? (laughs) Um, I've always pronounced it Gadot, but, uh, see, that's how I pronounce it. And so I, I, I'm, I'm a little, conflicted i'm not sure but i think i think I, I i've heard different pronunciations i also tend to be um a phonetic reader and so that that i i sometimes mispronounce words because of that 
<laughs> well, Gal Gadot, that's, you know, let us know if we're wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, she served for two years as a sports trainer in the Israeli forces between the ages of 18 and 20. And then uh, she is most known for her role in the Fast and the Furious movies. I didn't realize how many of those movies she was in, by the way, until I was looking at, at it on IMDb. She was in Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six, and Furious Seven. Mm-hmm. I've only seen a couple of those movies, so... <laughs> okay. I've, uh, I've definitely seen way more of those films than I realized. <laughs> That's partly because my husband is obsessed with them. And so every time a new one comes out, he drags me semi-reluctantly to the theater. But they've definitely grown on me. Me too, actually. Yeah. And, and it's same thing with my husband. He loves them because cars are in them and he loves cars. Um, and I'm always like, that's not enough for me. But I've kind of grown a love for them because, I mean, they know what they are and they're enjoyable mm-hmm. and they have a big budget and, you know, famous people in it and uh, you know what you're getting it's it's just fun honestly uh and i want to say this was furious seven um one of the moments that really won me over with that franchise was the rock was hospitalized or his character was hospitalized and he's sitting there in the bed and he's watching the television and there's another catastrophe where the team needs him so he just flexes his bicep and breaks his cast (laughs) I was just like, okay, I'm sold. I'm here for this. <laughs> I know. Towards the end, they were just superheroes. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Um, so what did you think of her casting as Wonder Woman, as, as a Wonder Woman fan? What, what were your first reactions to that? So I was not a fan of Gal Gadot's casting. Um, it took me a while to come around on it. Um, I, I, was, I was definitely falling into the trap of what I think a lot of nerds who grow up with these franchises fall into where it's something that you've held so near and dear and you feel like you have an ownership in that fandom. So basically no decision for a a film version of it is going to come out right. So I definitely fell into that trap for a little bit. But I was, when Gal Gadot was announced as Wonder Woman, I, I definitely had a very visceral reaction. I was, <laughs> like, like a lot of fans, I was sitting there going, well, this is Hollywood's chance to cast a woman who doesn't fit that stereotypical mold um, of what most Hollywood actresses look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel that way a little bit, but then... I, I can I can let go of that some just based on how they did the casting for the Amazons. Um, and I do think that after watching the film that, well, really it was Batman versus Superman when she showed up as Wonder Woman that I was like, oh, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> so I think I had a little different reaction, but I, I like that we both had different reactions. I want to say, first of all, because there's obviously there's no wrong reaction mm-hmm. to have. Um, I had no idea who she was. I've seen some of the Fast and the Furious movies, but obviously I didn't pay enough attention to realize which character she was. So I had no real, I guess, thoughts on her as an actress yet. Um, I think I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm the kind of person that sort of likes unconventional casting. And so a part of me was like, oh yeah, she seems like, She's not this great actress, but what if she is? Like, how exciting would that be if it turns out to be a really good casting choice? 
Um, and then the other thing I thought was, you know, I heard a lot of women say that they wanted someone more like, you know, Lucy Lawless and Xena or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And I totally see that. But I think what I liked about Gal is, I mean, she is, she's, you know, she's white, but she's more like olive complected. She has darker hair. And I felt like they were playing up the sort of like old world, you know, Greek or Roman or like Mediterranean vibe. And I felt like she brought that a little bit, you know, by being Israeli. Mm-hmm. And so I liked that. And then when I heard her speak, I was really happy because I thought that's cool. Like, you know, they didn't make her like get rid of her accent. Um, I think it actually like adds to the character's authenticity a little bit. And so uh, when I heard her in interviews and when I saw her in BBS, like you said, I think I, I was like, yay. And I don't know. I'm actually like pretty happy that they cast her. Um, I agree on on some of your points in that, I mean, she is, I mean, like, incredibly beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's not like they, you know, they tried really hard, like, oh, let's, let's pick an everyday uh, woman that represents all of us. I mean, they didn't do that. They picked, you know, somebody who's a model. <laughs> but fine. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be like, this gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And a goddess yeah she is she is a demigod right (laughs) and in some of the more recent iterations of the comics she is the god of wars but you know that's that's its whole other thing (laughs) so it's kind of i mean you know on on one hand uh they don't typically like for any of the main actors they usually go for looks Mm -hmm. so i was able to kind of suspend some belief there and i was like fine with it and then the other thing i liked about her too was that they didn't go with like someone who was like 18 you know, like they pick someone who's, you know, at 30 or close to 30. I, I like that because I'm like, she's Wonder Woman, you know, right. like pick a woman, you know, because I feel like a lot of times, especially in the hero genre or any genre that tends to be a more at guys, it, it always feels like the men are like 30 and 40 and then their co-stars are like 20 right. and then they're You're dead. Going, oh, is this realistic again? <laughs> Yeah, and then it's like they're dead in that end of that movie, and then there's a new 20-year-old in the next movie, like a Bond girl or something. (laughs) So it's like the fact that she was, like, not 19, that helped, too, for me, I think. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, um, let's see. So let's talk a little bit next about Chris Pine, uh, who's Steve Trevor in this movie. Uh, You know, you know him from Star Trek, obviously, is, like, his main vehicle of stardom at this point uh he's in star trek star trek into darkness star trek beyond and we hope in the next one but uh negotiations have not gone well so far so fingers crossed um i I know um and then uh i really love him in hell or high water that's a really good movie uh you know at the age of 27 in filming he was the youngest actor to play the lead in any of the star trek movies or series Ooh, interesting yeah, I didn't realize he was that young in that I movie. But... Either, but yeah. but a lot of actors like at least feel like they're ageless. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I think you know, as far as the casting on this one, I feel like I don't think anybody else could have been Steve Trevor. What do you think? You know, I really don't think so either. He just he did such a good job as Steve Trevor. I this one of the things I 
I had an initial reaction on with him after the first viewing of the film was I really loved how they just turned a lot of the stereotypical hero tropes, um, especially of the, the romantic lead, just completely on their head. And I loved how, in a lot of ways, he was the damsel in distress. <laughs> yeah. But he did a really good job with handling it. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard a comment a lot, and it kind of bugged me a little bit, but I mean, I think I understand where they're coming from, but I also think that it's 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 a fear that, that guys shouldn't have. But they were like, I'm so glad that, you know, they didn't make him look weak to make her look strong. And I'm like, well, number one, you don't have to do that ever no, in any movie, no. right? And it's weird that they assumed or worried that that's what women want, like, that we want him to be a weakling and for just so that we can be strong. It's like the two are not mutually exclusive. No, number one. Not at all. And I think that Chris Pine, like the way that he plays Kirk first of like, you know, for starters, uh, that casting, I mean, I, I can't imagine that they could have picked anyone better for Kirk either. He somehow embodies who captain Kirk was, but in a very like, modern way if that makes sense i think that character i mean he's incredibly uh masculine and i mean honestly like looking back on it it's kind of misogynistic right i mean he's this macho guy that gets all these women in the galaxy and he's the captain and he's you know full of bravado and all these traits that i think we wouldn't necessarily put in a male lead today but he was able to like kind of marry the two like pull out the best parts of who captain kirk is and kind of get rid of the other parts yeah yeah, (laughs) i agree with that he rides that line so well and i mean that's to his credit i think that's a real challenge like i think there's there's a group of people our age or a little older that you know they have those older male heroes and icons they don't want them to like go away you know and so how do you bring that into today and i think what they did a really good job in star trek with captain kirk and i think that that that's basically what got him this role we need an old school guy because he's in world war Mm one and how can we have this old school classically good looking guy um that's you know masculine and a fighter pilot all these things but you know, be a really good partner to Wonder Woman and not like try to overshadow her or feel threatened by her or whatever. And I feel like Chris Pine is like the perfect guy to do that. Like he's just really good at what he does. I agree. And just rewatching it um, uh, yesterday, I was just fascinated by his character arc and growth as Steve Trevor within the film because he definitely rolls with the punches. Like, of course, he crash lands on this mythical island that no one's ever heard of with all these beautiful strong warrior women and goes uh okay so i guess i'm here now um but (laughs) then whenever the roles are reversed and he's the one who is leading um diana through this war and through at of course world war one england um he's just he's definitely finding this balance between believing what she um what her story is and um her her conviction in destroying Ares but then also checking himself and the um 
the misogyny that he's grown up in in that time period. Because, of course, with it being World War One, you know, uh, women don't have the right to vote yet. <laughs> so there's there's definitely a lot of um, him going, oh, OK, well, maybe some of these ideals that I've been raised with aren't exactly right either. And I noticed a couple of key moments with that, um, like whenever he goes into um, the council room and she comes in behind him and just kind of balancing out some of those different gendered norms during that time period. I felt like that was a really fascinating experience. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, completely agree. I think I had heard that Patty Jenkins said that this is kind of where the Indiana Jones influence comes in. Like he's kind of like Indiana Jones in that, um, you know, he, like you said, he rolls with the punches and nothing really phases him and he just kind of adapts and embraces stuff and he's also like I think because he's a spy and he has to kind of blend into different situations and he's well traveled he's not like rigid in his beliefs and he's not like rigid in his ideals either so he's just kind of like the guy that just goes uh okay like you said and that's kind of like the shrugging you know sort of nonchalantness of Indiana Jones so. mm-hmm. yeah that, and I think that's cool. another thing that yeah, it makes him like appeal to guys too. Plus, I think it's in uh, Chris Pine's contract that he has to ride a motorcycle at some point. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god!" Of course, <laughs> every time. But yeah, whether it's a yeah. space motorcycle or a regular one, <laughs> I was like, "Okay," but um, but but I loved it. I, it's one of those things where I'm like, "All right," but yeah, I like you, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, so two, two more actors I want to go through. There's so many good actors in this movie that we could literally just talk about them all day. So I'll just do a couple more and then we will jump in. Uh, the next person I want to talk about a little bit is Connie Nielsen, who plays Hippolyta. Um, and I'm always afraid I'm going to say that wrong, but you know what? I've seen this movie enough times. I think I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember her most from movies like Gladiator, uh, Rushmore, I totally forgot she was in that until I was reading the IMDb and I was like, yes. Uh, (laughs) And then the devil's advocate. Um, I had a really good quote from her that I wanted to read uh, where she said, I'm definitely more attracted to chaos than to order. The point is I find the female roles out there very cliche. If we are limited to being only lovers or mothers, we're limiting ourselves. And I was like, yes. Amazing (laughs) quote. I love that. I know. And like, the thing is, and I think sometimes people read that a little wrong. They're like, what's wrong with being a mother? And it's like, that's not what she's saying. I mean, she plays a mother in this movie, right? Yes, she does. But she's a mother and she is a warrior queen. Right. So it's like, uh, I, I think the point is she's attracted to roles where she gets to be more than just in the background, you know, more, she's, a woman, of course, and a, a mother, you know, in some of these roles. But that doesn't mean that that's all she does in the film, you know. Yeah, yeah. And she, you know, I think that the the I guess matriarchs in this movie are just so amazing. I think that's another part of this movie that really gets it right, and you can really tell that that it had a female director because of that. I think um, in making these these wise women um, just such leaders, and so empowering and i just i just loved i loved her in this movie <laughs> me me too i i really loved her as um hippolyta um yeah she was just so good in this movie i i loved it 
and what's cool too about about having these two, you know, we'll talk about Robin Wright too in a second, but having these two older uh, female actresses that have such long careers, it's awesome because I can read to you more than one movie credit after I talk about right. that. Because <laughs> sometimes in movies, I'll like go on and on about the male actors and the woman actors. I'm like, they were in one other movie. And that's right. it. <laughs> but these women are like powerhouses that were in a ton of oh, stuff. Oh man, so they really it's... are. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about Robin Wright. We've actually talked about her a couple times on the show because she was in uh, Blade Runner 2049 most recently. Uh, we also talked about Princess Bride, uh, which she's probably most famous mm-hmm. for. Uh, so we talked about her then. Um, she's also in Forrest Gump, of course, and House of Cards. Um yeah, I I don't uh, kind of the same thing as Hippolyta. I just love her casting as Antiope. Um, I don't know. She's I I don't think there's ever been. I and I don't want to give too much away. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but I don't know that there's ever been a lot of like characters that are introduced very quickly and go away quickly that I feel that strongly about. Like right? I, I love. Her. Oh man. Um. Mm. Yeah, losing her as quickly as we did in the movie, I was just like, oh, I have feelings about this. Like that, her her (laughs) scenes um, definitely wrecked me. I know. And you know what's funny is I was watching it last night and I was like, how did I not see this coming? Like, I feel like they really set it up and then the music and then she's holding her and she's like, no. And I'm like, I should not have been so surprised and so hurt. (laughs) But I was, and I am still. (laughs) I was like, I don't care. I'm so upset. But yeah, I just, I like that because in a lot of movies like this, um, usually they'll introduce like a mom or a dad or an uncle or whatever, and they die. And I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. But when she died, I was like, what? No. I know. I was so upset. I'm like, they're going to put her in some kind of, you know, revitalizing spring or something. And, and when they didn't, I was pretty devastated. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was as well. That that was very emotional. <laughs> it was very traumatizing. <laughs> well, I have a lot of other people on my list, but I think we'll come up to them as we talk about the movie. Yeah. I'm going to turn this back over to you a little bit. And uh, do you want to talk about this chronologically or do you just want to pick out some of your favorite scenes? We can do it either way. Um, Let's, I guess, stick mostly chronologically. Although I don't mind hopping around a little bit because there, there were definitely a couple of moments that just really stand out to me. Um, but if we go in order of chronology, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about that that scene with Robin Wright and the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's skip to the good parts. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so the beach scene. Oh my god, I. It's like I knew it was coming because I heard that this scene was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, Themyscira I think looks perfect. It truly looks like paradise um i loved you know meeting all the women getting to know them and and uh and just seeing what their world is like i just i felt like as much as we got in this movie i just want to be there more like i would watch a movie just about these women oh absolutely i would absolutely watch a movie about the mascara yeah but the but the scene on the beach uh you're talking about when uh when chris pine first appears uh when they the Germans cross that border. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah. So they cross the invisible shield. 
uh, that's outside of Themyscira that Zeus put there to protect them. And uh, they realize that suddenly they're in paradise because it was raining outside of it. Um, and the warrior women rush to the beach and there's a big fight. And that fight is just, I, I think it's like one of the best moments of the movie. Oh, really. absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So whenever I was watching the movie again last night, be- before I started watching it, um, I was thinking, oh man, that no man's land scene, that is like by far my top scene in this movie. And then I was watching that one again and I went, oh, I don't know. I think this one might for my favorite scene it's just so good I remember watching it the first time in the theater getting chills just seeing all these Amazons race up to the beach and then whenever they're swinging down by the ropes and shooting their bows and arrows at the Germans I was just going this is by and far the coolest thing I have seen in a movie in a very long time Seriously, and I feel like, you know, it, a lot of times in movies with with women that are fighters or warriors, uh, I guess because of the Amazons, they portray them as archers. And I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm like, ugh, this again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I used to think, oh, guys get swords or guns and women always get a bow mm-hmm. and arrow. And I think the reason why I feel that way is because they don't always choreograph them the same way they do the guy characters. And in this movie, they did. They absolutely I mean, they were, did, yeah. It's like they had bows and arrows, but it was badass. Like, they made me believe, you know, that you could take down all these soldiers with right. them. Right, and so, I think something else that ties into that as well is, I mean, they only have women on this island, so it make so whenever, you know, you have your foot soldiers coming down on the beach itself, it was like, oh, you know, the way that they set this up is actually really cool. And it makes sense for what a Greek army would look like. You have, you know, your advanced fighters, your archers, but then you have your foot soldiers coming up and they have exactly, like you said, the exact same kind of treatment that, um, that male fighters would. Uh, I was watching, um, we, we were talking about this earlier where we, uh, both watched the, the workout featurette from the movie and one line that really caught my attention was um, the the main trainer for the film. He said, we wanted these women to look, uh, we trained them like we did the men in 300 and wanted them to look like they had grown up training together as fighters and as warriors. And you can really see um, that how well they play off of each other. Um, and of course, one of my favorite moments during that beach scene is when Robin Wright um, plants her arrows into the sand and is shooting her arrows um, at all the soldiers. And then right after she completes that, she has um, two of the other Amazons, or maybe it was one, I can't quite remember, um, off to the side. And of course she yells shield and she jumps off of their shield and starts picking off German soldiers left and right. And I was just like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> it it was amazing. I had tears in my eyes the first time I saw the scene. And it's like, I don't think I can emphasize that enough. Like, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before. I mean, truly. I've never seen, like, you know, a woman warrior fight scene like that. Ever. I completely it was agree just with so you. And that's, uh, that was definitely something that I experienced as well whenever watching this scene. Like, 
the scene um, whenever you're first introduced to Themyscira and you're looking at all these women um, in training and fighting together was really cool. But of course, that moment on the beach where they're fighting the Germans, I was just going, why have we never had women like this in a movie? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was so good. Um, When you were talking about that workout uh, video, too, um, I think a part of me at first was like, I don't know if I want to see this. Is this going to be silly? Is it going to be like, guess what? Women work out, too. You know, I was like kind of worried about it. I don't know why I had that that reservation but then I watched it and I was just like wow this is very moving and exciting um just sort of reminding you and I guess I you know I already knew this but I don't know just watching it again solidified it for me you know these women were the Amazonians on the island uh the secondary characters they were cops uh Olympic athletes uh, world champion boxers, uh, and then some CrossFit ladies, and then a couple actors. I mean, that's awesome! Like that, they really went out of their way to find true, you know, warriors, true athletes, and it really shows. I think it's authentic, and it feels that way when you watch it. Oh, and a martial artist that one yeah, yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, these these ladies are really uh, they're really badass, and and you can see that on screen. Yeah, it. Oh. I'm gonna get emotional again. <laughs> it's <okay. laughs> Yeah, it was so cool just to see how well they work together, and you really. And this is gonna sound super cheesy, but it really felt like an Amazonian sisterhood when you're like looking at them training together and seeing how they interact together on screen. Like you really feel that camaraderie. Well, I think so often it's, you know, especially groups of women are portrayed as, you know, catty or gossipy or whatever, as though women can't really get along. I mean, I feel like that's a narrative that's sort of pushed a lot. And I think it's damaging and incorrect because, you know, women can and do work together really well. And it's more empowering and more exciting for me to see women working together than it is for them to be like at odds with each other. So I think it's like a welcome change and just definitely just a more positive role model for like children. I (laughs) completely agree with that. And it's, it's really heartwarming to see Gal Gadot hugging little girls who are dressed up as Wonder Woman. It just, it makes me so, so happy. (laughs) Same here. Well, did you want to talk, uh, did you have more thoughts on that particular scene or did you want to tackle another one? Um, well, I, I did already mention it, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about No Man's Land. Okie doke. Oh, wait. You know what? Before we do that, though, can we talk about um, Antiope's death scene oh. really fast? Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm going to rip open oh, that wound again. Just <laughs> we just right we can't proceed without talking about it. <laughs> but yeah, this is what I was alluding to earlier uh, when Antiope takes the arrow or the bullet. Yeah. I'm sorry. For, for Diana because she's not sure what they are. I mean, none of them really are sure what the guns are since they've sealed themselves away from mankind for so long. I think that's an uninten- unintended side effect that they never thought right, of. Right. They're like, let's just leave mankind. Weapons of war would be evolving without them. Exactly. So, uh, so they don't know what guns are, and, and you know, a few of the uh, Amazonian warriors lose their lives uh, trying to. Uh, you know, defend themselves, and uh, or or is it just one? It's just two. Um, I think a few right? do. I a do remember seeing okay. like just a few bodies in the sand type thing. Yeah, 
yeah anyway yeah because they're they're immortal but not if they're shot, right they so. can still lose their, yeah. lose their lives in combat right um and so antiope jumps in front of the bullet and she's killed and that's you know shocking horrible i'm sure there hasn't been a death on that island in diana's lifetime much less somebody that close to her so she loses antiope and it's just like such a heart-wrenching scene um but she tells her you know that it's time and uh, she mentions the god killer again yes, doesn't she, she the like, god killer like, she just says god killer Right, and and Diana takes that to mean go get the right. sword, which we were introduced earlier, um, in the movie, and so so yeah, uh, tears all yeah. around, tears every, every time, time. every single time, <laughs> yeah, um, and and that kind of becomes you know the catalyst of her moving forward, yeah. but yeah, yeah, just wanted to just wanted to wrap yeah, that up. Absolutely. So you wanted to talk about No Man's Land next because that's your second. Favorite it is, scene. it is. <laughs> Yay! Okay, um, go ahead, go ahead. Um, okay, so, of course, as we're going through the film, um, after Diana leaves the mascara, she goes to England with Steve Trevor, and um, they go to basically meet up with uh, the higher-ups, and then Diana's like, okay, it's time to go to the front, we're gonna go uh, kill, kill Ares. And so they're making their way through... Um, through the trenches of no man's land. And Diana is just flabbergasted by all of the death and the destruction and the horrors of the war that are going on around her. Because of course, you know, she's grown up literally on paradise. And so she's while she has trained to be a warrior, she's never seen any combat. And at that point in time, World War One was by and far the most devastating war that, you know, had hit, you know, that had hit in a long time. Um, so Diana is just horrified going, I came here to help people and they're literally dying around me. And she's being told, no, we can't stop and help these people. But she just decides, you know what? No, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to save these people. So she takes off her cloak and reveals the full Wonder Woman attire and stands up to go across um, the battlefield where, you know, the, the soldiers haven't been able to move forward at all um, because the Germans on the other side have machine guns pointed on... Um, pointed on the other forces so she comes up and everyone's going what in the world are you doing you crazy woman and this moment um also made me openly weep in the theater because that first time you see a bullet come after her and she deflects it um with her bracelets um for me that was just this moment where you see this is wonder woman um, and this is the first point in the movie where she's got her big reveal and she's just like, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to help these people who can't help themselves. And for me, that was just the culmination of everything that I wanted to see in Wonder Woman since I was a little girl. And then it was like there on the big screen. So I had a very emotional reaction to it. Oh my God. Me too. I, on so many levels, um, I'm going to get a little, like, I guess, 
I'm going to go on a tangent here about this. But so number one, uh, I really like war movies. Um, there's quite a few that are my favorite. I love Full Metal Jacket, uh, Apocalypse Now. I could go on, um, but we, we don't have all day, so I won't. I really, really like war movies, uh, particularly ones that, you know, focus on sort of the the horror of war, you know, because I feel like there are some war movies and there's a way to show war that's more like propaganda and getting you excited and, and like, oh, sign up, you know, and I, I don't think that that's honest and I don't think that it's, I mean, I think it's wrong, <laughs> frankly. Mm-hmm. So I like movies that show the human side of it and what actually happens and what those people went through and in a way that they're not, you know, forgotten and that we not forget, I guess, the impact that that really had and what those people actually went through. Um, So one thing I was thinking when I was watching this movie and particularly in this scene is that a lot of war movies, they focus mainly on just the soldier's experience, you know? It's like you only see it from their perspective, but war affects so many people. And one thing I like about this movie is that they don't focus on the soldier perspective. I mean, number one, soldiers are heroes, and I, you know, I'm definitely not putting that down in any way. I completely see why they they are the focal point of most war films. But I think that there's other people in the war that are affected by it. Right. And I feel like we don't really hear their stories unless it's like a coming home from war story. And then, you know, by extension, the family members are sort of affected by it, by the soldier's experience. But I don't think there's a lot of movies that focus on the people that aren't soldiers during war. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I really liked about that particular scene because Diana's going to rescue this tiny little forgotten village that's probably, you know, considered collateral at that point. And she's going there to intentionally save those people. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, know, they they picked World War I because, you know, this was sort of like a murkier time. It's not as clear cut as World War II and the conflicts that were happening then. Um, They weren't prepared for what was coming next. And also because Captain America did World War II and they didn't want this movie to be so much like that, even though Wonder Woman's inception should have been in World War II. But I'm really glad they stuck with World War I. And this is another reason. I, I don't know a ton about history. I'm not a history buff. But I think one thing that really stuck with me as a kid, I don't know why this is, I don't know why I picked this out of all the awful stuff that we read about war, but uh, the trenches, that really has always really bothered me. Like the fact that people were stuck in those trenches for so long and they couldn't get out of there and they were just being shot like fish in a barrel and how that really dragged the war out, mm-hmm, you know? Absolutely. Um, and how impossible it was to like end it um, I, that's why I found when she got out of there and like jumped onto land and did something that I think that was another reason why it made me cry because I was like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, in certain situations we get to a point where they're like, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing anyone can do. And then someone like her, like, you know, first of all, she's capable, but also she's thinking sort of outside of the box. Like you mentioned earlier, she's not just like, oh, these people, we can't save everyone. Oh, well. 
She's like, no, like every person's life matters and I can do something and I'm going to. And it's so corny, but I was like <laughs> literally thinking like, I wish that could have happened almost. Right. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Just like the impact of just all those people in that situation. I don't know. It just, it made me think about the actual war in a way that I don't think I necessarily do in other more fanciful movies that take place during a war make me feel, you know, and I think maybe because it's World War One. Maybe, maybe. Because like, you know, I love uh, Indiana Jones is awesome. And I love when he punches Nazis. Yes. But those movies go out of their way to not make you focus on like what's actually happening. Yeah, right? it's a very but- um, fantasy version of World War Two. <laughs> right it's like don't think about it too hard they're bad but let's not think about it uh but with this movie i felt like in this scene they were like let's let's deal with it you know and i I really liked that about it anyway that's i'm done with my i i appreciate that as well like like you said um world war one is definitely something that at least in my education definitely got glossed over because it's like especially with Texas education it's like you go civil war and then let's just jump ahead to world war ii right (laughs) i know i felt like we focus on texas a lot (laughs) right yeah i I know it started by franz ferdinand but that's because of the band (laughs) um uh but yeah so i don't know that's what that's what i really liked about that scene and it makes later scenes have even greater impact but yeah i mean this is the i mean this is the scene everybody remembers from the and movie. it kills me that that scene almost didn't even make it into the movie Ooh, i didn't know that Tell okay me about this. so it, it's been a little while since i read up on this article um but yeah that scene almost didn't make it into the movie basically um patty jenkins had to fight um, executives because they were just like, yeah, you know, we think it's just, it doesn't really flow with the film and everything. But for me, I'm like, whenever I think of that movie, that's the scene that I think of. Yeah, because it, it's got so many layers to it. Like I said, there's the layer of the war aspect. And, and like I said, I feel taking a more realistic look at the tone of you know, what war actually does and what, what's actually happening. People are dying. Um, and then, you know, it's called No Man's Land and she's not a man. I, I was almost I mean, I waiting that's for a Lord of the Rings <laughs> line there. I was like, I want her to say, I am no man. <laughs> yes. And, and it's like, you know, they kind of skate that line the whole movie, which I think they do that in such an intelligent way. But anyway, she, uh, so it's called that. And then, you know, he tells her, like, what to do. And she's like, what does she say? It's what, I it's what I'm going to do. Yes. Oh, it's so empowering. Oh, I love it. I actually have um, I have a T-shirt um, that actually ha- says that on it. And I just love wearing it all the time. <laughs> I feel that I could see, like, execs not seeing how that fits into the movie. And also, I, I-, I feel like it's really dark like if you think about what's happening oh absolutely. Um, and what she's preventing yeah like on a realistic level like i i feel like they were probably like oh this is like maybe getting a little too close to what's happening like seeing all this death mm-hmm. and like you know like maybe we should skate past this because there's you know spoiler alert something bad that happens to that village she saves yeah. later 
<laughs> and I mean, they were probably thinking about that too. Like that's a bummer. And like, I just think that it's a risk to include this. And I'm just so glad that she did that. I, I feel like there's a lot of risks in this mm-hmm. movie, truthfully. And it, that's what makes me like it more because she went. Yeah, there, I, I agree. And like I was saying, like, Whenever I think of this movie and I think of, you know, that defining moment of who Wonder Woman is, for me, her reveal as she climbs that ladder and starts taking her first steps into no man's land and just starts shattering people's minds and like giving what really hit me about that was as she's walking across, you know, no man's land, I'm like, she's, she's becoming that symbol of hope. And she's inspiring those soldiers to get up out of the trenches and, you know, charge and put an end to this conflict. And for me, again, that's just, that just wraps up basically who Wonder Woman is, if you want just like one defining moment. Totally, totally. Yes. (laughs) Very much so. Well, do you have a next scene that you want to? Oh, okay. So there's so many. (laughs) Oh, those are the main two I want to talk about. But (laughs) I mean, if you want to, we can discuss what happens to the village. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like that's her big one of her big character arcs in the film because it's it's right after she wants to kill Ludendorff because he uh you know she she confronts him and she thinks he's Ares at this point I mean she's got every right to think that because he's so evil and she wants to stop him and she wants to stab him right then and there at that gala and then you know Steve Trevor stops her and then she's tells him again like you can't tell me what to do i'm gonna do this and she follows him outside and then she's distracted by sounds in the distance and then she realizes what's happening and she runs over there and the village has been gassed and poisoned and everyone's dead and her devastation at you know having just saved them essentially and watching that happen is just very moving it really is and of course you know her walking through the gas is uh one of the promotional images that they use for the film which i always (laughs) thought was really ironic yeah you know like when i was uh mentioning that uh fact about mustard gas i feel like you sort of forget about that again like i just feel like we forget about a lot of stuff about world war one and just how horrible that is so even though it's not the same gas because you know dr poison comes up with these you know super gases that are worse or whatever in a way i think to be gentle on us as the audience and not have to think about what actually happened uh but but yeah comic book super villain side right (laughs) right but yeah it's like the reality is everyone's dead um and mercifully they don't show us that i don't think they would have allowed that (laughs) but uh but yeah you're right when they show that in the promotional pictures you don't know that's happening right i mean it looks really cool (laughs) on screen but then whenever you realize what's happened i'm just like oh okay yeah bummer bummer big bummer Yep. Yeah. 
but it's kind of part of her journey of I think most of the movie she's very optimistic and she's like we're just gonna defeat Ares and then all war will go away and he's like okay that's not gonna happen and so this is part of her like understanding basically what evil is you know and uh understanding human intentions I guess and just seeing the worst parts of them. Yeah, it definitely shatters her faith in humanity and this story of that she was raised with of man essentially being good. And if you get rid of the poison from Aries, then they go back to being good. And it's like, well, no, not quite. Yeah. And I, I love how I, I did want to mention, um, the scene with uh, the village uh, before everything happens, like when she, because it's the same village, right? Where she, uh, there's that really cool church scene with the shield yes. again, right? Where uh, Steve Trevor uses uh, Antiope's move with the shield, mm-hmm. and uh, Wonder Woman jumps up there, and um, and she saves that village. <laughs> yeah, she it's amazing. The entire building, basically. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and um so she uh so she does that and then uh they have like a little reprieve and this is a part of the movie where a lot of people say <laughs> you just hear me defending a lot uh that the movie slows down too much and that the pacing's all weird and but I think what they're missing is that I feel that every scene is pretty in- intentionally a part of her character arc. It's not about the action. It's about her journey and what she's learning from humanity, I think. So this scene where, uh, you know, she has that drink with Steve Trevor where he's trying to give her beer and she's like, you know, this doesn't really affect me very much, which is a cute kind of throwback to the comics, right? Um, And uh, so, you know, she's like, is this what people do when there's no war and they're they're dancing? Yeah. I think, you know, the scene is in there because she's she's getting both sides of humanity. She just saw, like, this terrible side where she was, like, having to fight and save everyone. But then I think showing everybody singing and dancing and that, you know, yes, this is, like, a horrible time, but they're still real people and they have dreams and hopes and all the, all those things that they're looking forward to that she's hearing from Steve Trevor. I think that's helping her build her idea of humanity you know so i i find that scene really touching I find, I find uh, it really touching I, as well and i think it's really appropriate to have in there because i mean okay so even and and you see this even in war uh, in other war movies as well where you know there's there's kind of like this moment of reprieve and it doesn't happen often mm-hmm. but it does happen every now and then where where you know you have that moment of oh, we're still people. We still, like you said, have hopes and dreams. And it does really contribute to her character arc as well. Um, and I think yeah. it also serves to um, make the destruction of the village that much more devastating. Exactly. And uh, you learn a little bit through scenes like this and some of the others, a little bit more about his team. Because, you know, for for Diana, everything is really black and white with her in the beginning. You know, she's all truth and justice. And that's all I see. And uh, when she meets this ragtag team that Trevor has, uh, another part of her learning about humanity is understanding the complexities of human nature. Because uh, she says she doesn't want to be around these, like, what did she say? Like criminals and thieves right, or something yeah. like that. 
whenever they like and, build up the team, she's like, okay, so you have a murderer, a thief, and I don't remember what the other one was. And she was just like, <laughs> really? This is your team? Yeah, and he's like, careful, I might get offended. And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm all those things. And I think that's like an aha moment for her because he's a liar, because he is a mm-hmm. spy. Um, he's stolen stuff, so he's a thief. Uh, he's killed people. So, I mean, like, I think that the purpose of Trevor and that team is to kind of represent all of humanity really mm-hmm. quick. And I thought that was clever of them to have um, – let me get their names up here really quick. But uh, Chief Eugene Brave Rock and um, Syed. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to say his name right. I'm going to say just Syed. Uh, Samir. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, and then uh, Ewan Bremer as Charlie. Um, I thought it was a good idea to have those team members because I felt like they represented like other parts of humanity that aren't present. Um in this particular conflict necessarily. Yeah. Cause like uh, with Samir, you know, he, he kind of, I, I mean, he's sort of like explaining racism to her a little bit I in one scene where really he talks fascinating. about. Yeah. And the aftermath of yeah. no man's land, he's like, I wanted to be an actor, but I'm the wrong color. Right. And then he says, everyone's fighting a battle, including you. Like he's trying to, they're, they all like make her see a different side. And then Charlie, you know, he's uh, he's got PTSD mm-hmm. um, and he's a sniper. But and, and at first, you know, he's bragging about how like, oh, yeah, I can kill people easily. And like I did it all the time. And but then when it comes down to it, he really hesitates and cries and feels worthless. And I mean, I think that really humanizes his character for her. And also it's showing another side, like how easy is it to view someone that was a sniper um, as just a murderer, right? And not understand the complexity of that he's a victim too. So I thought that was really cool because she needs to see that. Otherwise, she's just going to be like, the guys with the guns are evil, right, you know? Right. And then with Eugene Brave Rock's character, Chief, uh, you know, there's that scene where she's like, why would you fight in a war you don't have any stake in? And he's like, I don't have anywhere to go back to. Um, my people were killed. And she's like, well, who did that? And he's like, Steve Trevor's people and so she's like realizing like wow this is really complicated like who's good and bad here is not easy to to determine it's very cloudy and also like I've heard people say like you know because the character's name is Chief and Chief is from the comics they're like oh that's you know it's so corny and he does smoke signals and stuff like that but Eugene Brave Rock uh, I think he's from the Black yes yes he is yeah and uh, he you know, Patty Jenkins actually had him do his own costume. She asked him to put that together and make sure that it was like historically accurate and authentic because she wanted to stay away from stereotypes. So, um, and he speaks like uh, his native tongue in the movie yeah. too. You know, and I actually I, wanted to yeah. talk about that real quick because I thought it was really yeah. fascinating. Um, of course, Diana and the Amazons, they can, um, they can speak hundreds of languages and most of the time, whenever Diana is speaking to someone in another language, you'll see it subtitled. Um, but then whenever they're introducing themselves, when Chief and Diana are introducing themselves, there's no subtitles there, which I, whenever I first saw the film, I was like, oh, huh, that's kind of weird. 
But then afterwards, oh, I didn't notice uh, that. Yeah, yeah, they don't have subtitles there, and that is because he is actually introducing himself as a demigod from the comics. <gasps> yeah. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know so that. Yeah, so there's some Yay. speculation that he may be in um, the new Wonder Woman film as well, or oh, somewhere my else in the DC universe. Yay! That is such a cool fact. I did not know that. Yeah! Thank you. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. <laughs> that is so cool. But yeah, I just, you know, um, I, I could go off on a tangent about Native Americans <laughs> too, but um, I, I feel that a lot of times in cinema, they're not fairly represented. Um, it, I don't think they usually ask them like, what did you actually wear and what would you actually say and do? And so I really appreciate that Patty Jenkins was sensitive to that. And um, I follow Eugene Brave Rock on Twitter and I love reading what he's up to. And, you know, he's a big activist and I don't know, it's just cool. So I, I was really happy about this. And so I've heard people say this little team is like ragtag and like corny and like stereotypical. But if you peel back the layers, it really isn't like there's a purpose, I think, for each character. And I think that they do a really good job in the movie of sort of being a small little pocket of representing humanity for Diana. I completely agree. It's just another one of the things in this movie that just kind of hits all my sweet spots. Like, again, like, you know, when you talk about war and defeating the bad guy, I feel like a lot of things get kind of lost in the fray. And this movie is sort of taking the focus away from just that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. But yeah. What's what's uh, another scene that you wanted to talk about? well we haven't talked about dr poison much yet oh yeah you're which right i found her character just super super fascinating watching the film um and just as kind of an aside um i don't know if you've seen this yet but there's been a video floating around facebook discussing um how there was a uh, a doctor who i think after world war one uh interestingly enough um, created masks to help um, soldiers who had facial disfigurements. And the masks all look oh. exactly like Dr. Poison's mask because, you know, during her experimentation, she melted off parts of her face and things like that. But I just thought it was interesting to see um, just how historically accurate her mask looked um, in the film. Oh, wow. So I thought that was really cool. There was like a really good Dr. Poison at the uh, DC photo oh. shoot at Dragon Con. Like she was spot on, like the perfect, like she looked like her. It was oh, so that's good. so cool. Uh, I just. <laughs> we were... Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, go ahead. I was uh, just, Dr. Poison to me is such a fascinating character. And then whenever you're looking at this movie as a whole and, you know, you're working with a film that does have a lot of women involved, um, one of the things I found really interesting about her is even though she's not the main big bad, it's just interesting to see a female villain that is not the stereotypical female villain. She's not the femme fatale that you typically see in a lot of, um, in a lot of um, major films, especially. Um, she's very brilliant and very decisive, but she's also very cruel. Um, she doesn't mm -hmm. really seem to view people as people. She just views them as experiments. 
Yeah, it's like I think if there's one thing that I wish I had more of in this movie, it's probably her because, you know, we don't ever really and I think there just isn't enough time in the movie. Like this isn't a knock against the movie, but, you know, we don't know what her true motivations are necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I agree Um, with that because, I mean, it's already like fascinating enough to have her as a female scientist at this point in time. Um, when women were not accepted into the STEM fields and, you know, are still dealing with issues on that to this day. Um, so I found that very interesting and I could honestly watch an origin story about her. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's fascinating, uh, you know, her work. And then it seems like Ludendorff is her key to, you know, what she thinks of as greatness. He's, he's, his belief and his faith in her is what's enabling her to do more, but we don't get to totally see, you know, the, the, her origin and, and her ultimate goal other than, I guess, gassing right. people. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I agree. She's definitely her look and the casting choice, like her being such a small mm-hmm. person. Um, she's not like this big, imposing, evil lady. She's like tiny, right? <laughs> and I think you that's another talked part, about yeah. by um, by all the generals as this witch and this um, this harpy and things like that. Um, and honestly, while I was watching the film, I felt like it was pretty obvious that um, Ludendorff was a red herring for Ares. It's just like pushed yeah. him so hard. I was like, he's not going to be Aries. I had my fingers crossed that she was going to be Aries. I know, you know, okay, that we should probably tackle yeah. this. I, I, I'm excited about this discussion. Uh, I think, you know, one big criticism about the movie is actually the Aries reveal that I've heard a lot. Um, they're upset that Ludendorff is such a red herring. Um but I, I personally feel I, I agree with you. If if Doctor Poison had been the made bad guy, I would have been on board. With that. I, oh, I had my fingers <laughs> so, crossed so hard because <laughs> that would have been really cool. Um, but I think one one thing I've thought of watching the movie. I thought this the first time, and I, I'll say it as many times as I can. I do think that one thing that people miss when watching this movie is there kind of is no big bad and there's not supposed to be um in that her character arc about learning you know she's so focused on defeating Ares, and then that's not even like really the wrap-up of this movie i mean he's kind of like when she finally fights him um you know she chooses love and all that but it's really more of an internal conflict and i kind of like that i was like that's really different for a superhero movie like i don't think any of the other ones have had that that kind of wrap-up you know yeah i agree with you um it i will say that that reveal and that fight scene with aries i felt like it was a little bit ripped out of a wannabe video game um Oh yeah, and I I think didn't Patty Jenkins not really want to do I, this at all? Like this, I don't scene? think so. I think that was probably something that you know kind of got pushed in. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of complicated feelings about this particular part of the movie <laughs> because that's okay because sure. um, it is something that is definitely part of the superhero genre formula. I mean, there's this big bad must defeat the big bad, save the world. 
Um, but but you're right. A lot of Wonder Woman's um, journey in this film is not necessarily defeating a big bad. It's learning about humanity and being there as a champion for justice. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I almost like... There were a lot of el- this is where I have the complicated feelings about that Aries scene because there are elements of the main plot of the film that are still thrown in that were absolutely essential to Wonder Woman's growth and also to the film itself. Like, um, like when I was talking earlier about how a lot of st- um, stereotypical um, superhero roles are reversed here, um, Steve. Um, taking taking the gas and flying straight up and having the plane explode that's that's often something that is done by a female or something along those lines in these types of stories and i think that that was definitely essential for diana's growth and realizing okay i am actually a god and i have all these really cool powers um, but the actual fight with Ares, I was just like, oh, can we not? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it doesn't feel right because it sort of almost feels contradictory to what the lesson mm-hmm. is. Because, you know, Ares is not the big bad she's after. The big bad she's after is realizing that people are flawed and deciding whether or not to defend mm-hmm. them. You know, whether or not to follow her sisters in being, you know, on Themyscira and their bubble, enjoying life, or to go out into the real world and to actually engage in it and be on man's side. Um, So that's really the real conflict there. And I think that probably the studios pushed for this fight scene. And so Patty Jenkins did it, but it doesn't have the same impact as some of the other parts of the movie because it's not the same as the other parts of the movie. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I will say I do really love Steve Trevor's scene. Um, I thought they did a really cool thing with, uh, you know, he's talking to her and she can't hear him. Yeah. And then they later walk it back and you hear, yeah, what he says. And it's, and I think it's cool because they planted this idea really early on in the movie in the scene in Themyscira where he's at the bath, um, she says, th- there's that joke where she's like, what's that thing? And he thinks, she thinks, or he thinks she's talking <laughs> yes. about his, his dick. <laughs> and he looks down, he's like this, oh, which I think is funny on a couple levels. Number one, his automatic assumption that she's talking about his dick. <laughs> like, oh, you must be talking about my dick. I'm a um, but then, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but then he realizes it's mm-hmm. the watch. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard people say like, well, she would know what a watch is, but I'm like, I not necessarily right because if they cut themselves off from the world, then maybe they haven't seen the invention of a watch yet, right? So I think that's why she doesn't know what it is. Um, and also, you know, he explains time to her. She's not really clear on time because I guess the Amazons didn't teach her about that because it's like, well, now we don't have to worry about it since we're immortal and we're not, we're away from people. Like we don't need to worry about time anymore. So she doesn't know about time. And he, and she's like, you let that little thing tell you Mm -hmm. what to do. And he's like, yeah. And then, you know, they have another scene later where he's talking about, you know, what would you do if there's no war? And, you know, he's like, start a family, get married, you know, she's building up this relationship with him. And then in his death scene, he, you know, he gives her the watch 
Um, and so that comes up again. And also he tells her, he says, I wish I had more time. And I feel like that's another really big character arc for her to finally understand basically time. I mean, people are not mm-hmm. immortal. And so every moment to them is precious. And she realizes it in that moment. And that made me like. It definitely made me teary eyed as well. Yeah. It was just like the gravity of that, of her being like, oh, that's what you, you know, that's why you let this thing control you because you don't, your time is not infinite. Right. Unlike hers. <laughs> it's going to run out mm-hmm. and it ran out. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's hard with a character like Wonder Woman or Superman. It's like, how do you make a character that is, you know, Im- immortal and, you know, bulletproof and all these other things? I mean, well, her little, her bracers right. are bulletproof, but anyway, <laughs> nerd, nerd glasses, actually. Um, but how do you make that person seem human and how do you raise the stakes? You know, and I thought this movie did a really good job with that. And that, that whole time thing, I think really was really impactful. It definitely was. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I kind of forgive, I agree with you. The Aries fight part, I kind of just, I'm like, blah, blah. I just kind of gloss over it. Uh, but that, that watch scene, and then also, I think the scene where um, Ares has her confront Dr. Poison and her mask mm-hmm. comes off. Um, and he's like, that's what he, you know, humanity is like. That's what they look like. Um, those two scenes, I think, were good, despite it not being a great battle Right. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I agree with you that, you know, that whole fight, I'm just like, oh, gosh, okay, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, those, those specific moments within that scene were really, really powerful and impactful. Um, oh, see death every time. It just gets me. I know. What do you think about the rumors about him? Well, you know, he's coming back in 1984. We've seen pictures of it. Do you think that's really him or like, do you have any insight? Like, would he come back in the comics? So I am... I, I will fully admit I have not kept up with recent comics or um, done research on, you know, where exactly they're pulling inspiration for this. Uh, I tend to believe that it's probably going to be one of his descendants rather than him. Okay, well, okay. Well, of course, I say that, but he didn't have any children. But I don't know. That we know of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Just wonder what your thoughts are. I'm really curious to see exactly where that goes. I'm not objecting to him being back in the film. Uh, I felt like they had to bring him back. I'm going to be honest. I know everyone's upset about it, and I get why, but I don't know. It's Chris Pine, and people really loved him, and their love is a big part of the comics. It's like, you know, Lois and Clark, and and you know, Wonder Woman has Steve Trevor. Yeah, I kind of get it. Um, I think, like, I don't know, the more I watch this movie, the more I think about it. Man, the more, you know, Patty Jenkins said that she was a really huge fan of of the Superman film. We kind of talked about that already. And I feel like you see so much of that in this movie, like, and even in, like, the way she loses him. I don't know. Everything about it, but that scene in particular, I think. Yeah, it, um, uh. Definitely the first time I watched it in the theater, I was like, you know, this is kind of a cool way to um, to to turn a lot of gendered stereotypes on their head in how he 
sacrifices himself, which provides the, that final motivation for the hero to you know, defeat the mm-hmm. bad guy, which, ugh, whatever, Ares. Um, <laughs> but that, that was definitely something that struck home with me. Um, and I just, ugh, their relationship was just so good in the movie. <laughs> I know, because, you know, a lot of times, I complain about this all the time on this show, but um, a lot of times I'm I'm not invested in people's romantic relationships. I think that's why I've seen so few rom-coms, mm-hmm. because I just don't care. Like, it's hard to make me care. In this movie, I think all their scenes together, I'm, their chemistry is there, and I believe it. And I like Steve Trevor. I, I like who, you know, who he's good for her. Yeah. Um, and he proves that. And and he's got his own character arc throughout the movie, too, because, you know, he, he says, like, she's like, why would you go back to the war? And he said, you know, my father always said you could uh, do something or do nothing. And I already tried nothing. So he's got a history there, you know, uh, I think of negativity, of not of not wanting to be involved and not wanting to be a hero. And he, he's inspired by wonder woman and be, and becomes a hero. Yeah, I agree. I really love that about him as well. Yeah. And like how, uh, there's even that scene where he, you know, he talks about marriage and she's like, well, why do they do it? And he's like, I don't know. Like you get the feeling that he's really jaded. And by the end of the movie, he's, you know, thinking about marriage and kids and like hope and like, he becomes a hero. So I, I think, I think they did a really good job with his. I arc. agree. And one of his final lines that always gets me before he gets on the plane, he's like, I can save the day. You can save the world. I thought that was a really oh. beautiful way to tie up that arc. Oh my gosh. I got oh, chills. Again. So good. <laughs> I know. I'm, I have a panicky feeling about this episode. I'm like, am I not going to get to say like, Every everything I need to say. I, I just have more feelings. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I, I don't know how to how to express them. Um, on that note, do you have any more scenes that you wanted to kind of break down or anything? Um, I, I oh man, um, <laughs> you'll think of one at one a.m. I promise. Probably. <laughs> um, I I almost feel like uh, at some point what we should do is just like sit down and watch the movie together with like commentary and also include our <laughs> commentary that's something i haven't ever done i would like to do Ooh, that would be really cool yeah i do think this is probably one of the movies i i i know i have a million facts in my head that i'm not able to pour into into one episode so yeah Ooh, that would be totally a lot of fun <laughs> and also make drinks yes uh drinks would of be course, involved for course. sure yes yes um, but yeah, did you have any anything else that you wanted to wrap um, up before we kind of? I think I'm good. That covers most of yeah. That covers pretty much all the scenes I was I really actively wanted to discuss. Cool. Well, um, a couple quick things I wanted to mention. I just found out I saw a trailer for it. Have you heard about uh, Patty Jenkins is doing a mini series called I Am the Night with I uh, Chris saw Pine? a few trailers on it. It looks really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's on TNT. It comes out January 2019, so we have to oh, wait a while. <laughs> but it looked super interesting, and that was just kind of exciting. So I wanted to throw and that up there. Of course, Patty Jenkins. So. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, let's see. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, what what keeps you coming back to this movie? Like, first of all, how many times do you think you've seen this movie? 
Oh, see, I was trying to figure that out last night. I was tweeting about it and I was going, hmm, how many times <laughs> have I watched this at this point? Um, I was mentioning to you before we uh, started the podcast, um, I like to watch this movie when I'm doing cardio. I, I have it on Amazon Prime, so I'll just uh, take my iPad out and put it on the elliptical and watch it in like 30 minute bursts. Genius. So I don't know how many times I've seen it that way. <laughs> um, I, I've sat down and watched the full film probably at least half a dozen times over the last year. Well, what, what do you think keeps you coming back to it? Um, so I, I've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but um, this was really just kind of the culmination of everything that I wanted to see in a Wonder Woman film ever since I was a little girl. And there have been a lot of um, versions of Wonder Woman, um, especially in animated format. Um, like there was a um, there was a Wonder Woman animated movie that came out. I want to say oh nine, I think oh nine, something like that. It had um, oh my gosh, um, Malcolm Reynolds. Oh, who's that actor's name? Why why am I blanking? I'm gonna look it up. Okay, <laughs> here we go. So there's Carrie Russell, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. There okay, we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, the animated film um, with Nathan Fillion, um, that was a really great Wonder Woman film. But of course, you know, when you when you grow up with Wonder Woman and, you know, you, you just you hear about all these failed attempts to get a Wonder Woman television series and failed attempts to get a Wonder Woman movie. And then when you finally get it and it may not be exactly what you had in your head, but it's perfect in its own way. It just, it, it really touches like, um, you know, the, the young girl who was like, oh man, I wish I had had this, this superhero represented in this way. Um, when I was growing up, it really strikes home for me in that way. Um, something else I just really love about this film is just how, honest and sincere it feels um it's just it's very different compared to a lot of um superhero films that we typically see it has a lot of heart to it and a lot of authenticity um i really love like i was saying earlier just the camaraderie that you feel with the amazons um, and how you can just see how much love was poured into this film. And um, I really think that Patty Jenkins, hearing how much of a Wonder Woman fan she is, you can see the care she took in crafting this film. Hmm. Um, I also really just love, um, I love so many things about this movie. One of the things that I haven't mentioned yet is I really love um, Gal Gadot's, um, how she just brings a sense of wonder to entering the world of man for the first time like that scene when she's about to get on the train and she has her ice cream mm -hmm. and she's just like you should be so proud of this it's, <laughs> it's a really adorable moment and like um it just this movie has so much heart to it um and i feel like it's a really beautiful tribute to wonder woman yeah that scene uh is from the comics but it, it, it was also in one of the animated films too i, I remember because when i watched the movie i was like oh i've seen this scene before where she tries that ice cream <laughs> it's so cute it is. i i also liked 
uh, when she sees that baby, she's like, oh, a baby. <laughs> really? Because of course she's never seen a baby before. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, I, you know, I'm, I, I just keep mentioning things I've heard, but people have mentioned before that they didn't like her sort of fish out of water approach because they were worried it made her seem too naive and childlike and Steve Trevor's like her teacher. But I didn't really see it that way. I saw it more like, I mean, she is sheltered because that's what the Amazons did. I, I don't think you can have her character and not have that aspect to it because they were on that island forever, completely cut off from mankind. But her wonder, like you mentioned, at the world is really endearing. It's like, I, I think it's something that we lose, and especially in the setting that it's in, World War One, and london you know it's like for her to see all the the beauty in mankind in that situation is i think it's heartwarming i didn't see her as like naive and you know childish <laughs> i thought it was really heartwarming as well and actually speaking of london oh my gosh i still crack up every time that they approach london and steve is like oh you know we're here it's london and she's like it's hideous <laughs> yeah and I, I like the scene too where she goes through the uh revolving door that's kind of like in that uh in superman the original movie <laughs> where he did that and i love how she goes let me try it myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah it yeah i can i can see the criticism of people feeling like oh it seems like he's try he's uh in a position of being her teacher but i really didn't feel that way about it no i think all. they learn from each other i mean you know, and, and he doesn't like overpower her and talk down to her or anything. Thank God. <laughs> so, yes, so yes. definitely. Uh, not. Uh, and I think that that could have very easily gone a different direction. Right. Especially had some of the other directors who, who had been mentioned to um, direct the film in the past. Yeah. I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, I think that especially in the hands of a male director that definitely could have gone a very wrong route. Yeah. But I think Patty Jenkins did a really good job of handling that. Yeah. I think that, and, and also the relationships with the, the other women, like you mentioned, and particularly her mother, I don't know if you felt this way, but when she leaves the Island and her mother's like, you know, you're my greatest treasure and my greatest sorrow today, or, you know, today you're my greatest sorrow. I, I don't know. That really got to me. I definitely, oh, I thought about my mom immediately and it brought tears to my eyes. And I don't feel that way a lot. Like in a lot of movies where there's like a mom character, she's like, I'm your mom and I love you. And I'm always like, meh. But like with this, I mean, I, I really did immediately think of my own mother. And I do feel like that's because there was a female director that was making the, the women characters, the wisdom that they have and the love that they have, it, it really came through, I thought. It was authentic. Yeah, there's just so much nuance to relationships between mother and daughters. And I really, really feel like, um, like you said, that particular moment made me think immediately of my mom as well. Yeah, I think a lot of times in movies, it's the dad. Like if, <laughs> you know what I mean? Usually yeah. usually women gain inspiration from their dad in movies and, and moms are kind of like forgotten. So I, I really liked that about this film. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I also wanted to mention really fast, I guess, you know, we talk about why we love this movie. There was a really cool feature at, at least on the iTunes version that I have, um, digitally that talked about it was called the themes of wonder woman i don't know if you saw this 
No, I didn't see oh, it. Oh, you should watch it. But basically, uh, Patty Jenkins breaks down the different themes in the movie. And so I'm going to read them to you really fast. She said, mm-hmm. Grace is one of the mm-hmm. themes. And they kind of have like a title card where there's just like Grace, you know, and then she explains it. Um, she says she thinks the part of the movie where she says, who would sing who would sing for us, Charlie, when she tells Charlie who, uh, you know, he, he didn't want, he felt that he was useless because he couldn't shoot. And she says, but who would sing for us? Uh, Cause she remembers that he sang before. Oh, and, oh yeah. I love that moment so much. Yeah. And it, it, she said, she felt that in that moment, she's reminding him that his ability to shoot does not define his value as a person. And I was like, Oh, that is so good. Oh, uh. That, that was a really good moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Wisdom, you know, with her mother, uh, you know, when her mother is trying to, like, impart with her that the world is more complicated than she thinks it is, and she's kind of going through the same journey that that she went through, that her mother went through, that Antiope went through, that every all those women went through. Um, but then her conclusion at the end of that journey is not to retreat. It's to be a part of the world. Um, and that's where she kind of grows more than her mother did in a way but that's wisdom wisdom is from her mother and from the other amazons and i thought that was pretty cool that is cool yeah and then uh she said power you know she says in the whole movie she's very powerful of course you see in the scene with um artemis i think uh where she uh, oh no no it's when she's fighting antiope and she's kind of backed into a corner and she uses the bracers and that's like uh-huh. the first time you see that and then you don't really see that a lot again until the very end it's actually when she stops fighting Ares. that's when she's like at her most powerful and that's, mm-hmm. that's her arc is to realize it's to not fight that's you know a show of strength um and then wonder uh we talked about this a lot already but in no man's land that's Yes. Like you said the reveal and her impact on everybody in that scene that is an example of wonder but yeah you should go watch that short it's really good oh i will <laughs> get emotional again i know i mean again i feel like i could talk about this movie like all day um it's hitting so many sweet spots because like i said female director something that i am very passionate about um talk about a lot i mean you know i love movies and and part of loving that um, and learning more and researching it, I just can't help but notice that there's not enough women involved. And so this movie, it is important. Um, it's very important. And representation absolutely matters. And it, it is a big reason why I love this movie. And I think having that female perspective, um, like you mentioned before, it alters that formula. It um, really does. Yeah. Like a lot of these very classic elements that we've seen in Superman of all the Superman films. And um, even with the DC and the Marvel films, like there's just a completely different perspective there. Mm -hmm. um, Whenever you take some of these formulaic elements and introduce a different viewpoint that we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, focusing on love, compassion and empathy as a, as a strength, as, as a, a tool for a warrior. I mean, that's, I think that's a little more out of the box than we get in a lot of these movies. So I, I absolutely appreciate it. And I don't even, I, I kind of left out this last question. Cause I'm like, I don't know, just listen to what we just said. Um, <laughs> what would you say to someone that's never seen this before? Um, go see it. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. Go see it. Yeah. Um, but something else that I was also thinking about is 
a lot of superhero films, like, I might get pumped and think, okay, that was a really cool movie afterwards. Like, Marvel. I love Marvel. I freaking adore it. I cannot wait for Captain Marvel to come out next year. Me too, me too. Um, I'm just, oh, which I need to make a new suit already, but we'll get <laughs> yes. to that. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, but there aren't a lot of movies where I leave the theater feeling good about the world and like I'm really hopeful and optimistic for the future <laughs> but that's what this movie made me feel well yeah I mean I think you know it, it, there there's a trope in a lot of the hero movies in general whether it be DC or Marvel that you know they're they're fighting a big bad and then they fight it and it's over and you're like well good but it, it doesn't really feel personal because I mean a big giant alien monster or whoever they're fighting is not necessarily realistic you know but the themes that wonder woman's tackling in this movie they're more personal i think that's that's why movies like this one and even for marvel like black panther when you kind of stray from that formula and think outside the box and you pull in real world you know issues that's why they have such a big impact Oh, absolutely. And I think absolutely. it's risky because, I mean, it could go, it could polarize things. And I, I definitely had a fear of people seeing this movie and thinking like, oh, well, it's going to be like, you know, um, oh, if women were in charge, there'd be no war and uh, men suck, you know, and like all the fears that people had about what it was going to be about and just how incredibly empowering and inclusive and positive it is. It's just, it's nice. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. And like, I I definitely like, I I had that fear as well, where it's like, um, oh, man, you know, especially like, you know, the the very stereotypical white male nerds who are just like, oh, how dare you stray from this formula? And you're just gonna be like, uh, you know, just get rid of all the men is the takeaway. And it's like, no, that's not the takeaway of this film. It, the the takeaway is that even though um, there is tragedy and there is horror in this world, there is still hope There's uh, that mankind is still worth fighting for. Yeah, she. I thought it was really, I really liked the line, it's not about deserve. It's, yes, you know. it's about what you believe. Yes, yes, I love that line. It is so, so good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like um, we're not trying to push people away from the table. We're just, we just want to be invited. Like it's not- exactly, <laughs> there's a place for everyone and there's a market for everyone as well, which is what I'm loving about seeing um, more, um, more POC and more women involved, especially in the superhero films. Cause like, Black Panther is one of my favorite Marvel films. It is so good. Yes. But also Michael B. Jordan. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I hear (laughs) you. I I would not object to putting him in a Superman role. I am okay watching that. (laughs) Same here. Um, But, and also with Wonder Woman and now um, Captain Marvel coming out. It's just... I still love Captain America. I still love Superman and Batman and all that jazz, but it's really nice to see people um, who don't fit that mold and people who potentially might look like you and give you opportunities in the film industry. It's really empowering to see that on screen finally. Yes. I'm very excited. And like, don't make no mistake. I know I get, sometimes I get criticism for, uh, you know, being too into DC. I know I, I, that is 
my biggest fandom. But make no mistake, I'm very excited about Captain Marvel. Oh, I'm so pumped. Yeah, I love that it's influenced by Terminator 2. I mean, that is... I mean, oh, it's gonna be so good! It's gonna be awesome, and and she's a different kind of female hero, and I'm I like that. I want to see all kinds, you know. So I'm very very pumped to see that. Yes, I oh, I have many feelings about that as well. <laughs> have you thought about it? It's coming out in 2019, right? So we're gonna have yes, it's coming out in March. Yeah, so we're gonna have two female led superheroes in one year. I mean, yes, I am so pumped. A about lot that. changes in a couple of years. So very I exciting. Know that. Okay, well, um, I guess we are wrapped up towards the end here. It, it, was there anything else you wanted to plug, like uh, any any other websites or anything else that you wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, um, you can find me online. Um, look for The Geeky Seamstress. Um, I'm on Insta- Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I also run a blog called thegeekyseamstress.com. Um, mostly I talk about cosplay and I give breakdowns on how I build my costumes and a couple of tutorials and things like that. Um, but if you're really into making or into just geeking out about um, characters, um, I would love to chat with you online. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And as I told you guys at the top, uh, I am on Twitter under AYA Lisa cosplay and on Instagram. Um, AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa and on our Facebook group called I Love That Movie. So please join us and discuss this movie and many others with us. Uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.